0: How are y'all doing? Good to be back in California for about 24 hours. And then I get to go back to Texas. By the way, your weather's just absolutely horrible here. I don't know how you how you stand it, man. Where's your humidity? Where are your hurricanes? Where are your tornadoes? Oh, but you do have wildfires and earthquakes here, so hey, we're even, right? Hey, I, I am one of your missionaries, and I did think that Bruce and I had a pretty good relationship, only I didn't get the email. But all these little christmas presents the missionaries are getting now i just want you to know i don't need any peanut butter i don't need any pancake mix but if some of y'all find it in your heart ship me some tri-tip and santa maria strawberries (laughs) i know you love me then right well thank you for your support uh your your dollar matters uh just so you know i i i take no um personal money from reach youth global i have uh I have some other support. And so every dollar that your church gives is going uh, directly to the things that we do. So let me give you a brief update before we get into uh, the message. For how many of y'all were here um, uh, last time I preached here? Let me see your hands. Oh, man, lots of new folks. Wow. You're better looking than the old folks, too, by the way. <laughs> so here, here's what's been going on this summer. Uh, we do several things. Mainly our ministry, obviously, is to is to uh, youth, kids, and that'd be anything, you know, from a child up to about, you know, mid-20s, uh, and, and the Lord has just phenomenally, phenomenally blessed us, especially this summer. We do a lot of mobile camps where we go into the streets of uh, Mexico, Central and South America, and uh, we just bring, just like a camp that you would have, only it's a... Like an 8 or 10 hour experience that culminates in the, in the presenting of the gospel. And this summer with our camps and with the work we're doing with the K crew, I'll tell you about that in, in a few moments in Africa. And then what's going on. Uh, do you all support Greg Lyons? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Greg, Greg's a great friend. Kind of took our model from, from Greg. And we supported the team that Greg sent around the world to teach people how to do these camps. That's, that's how that relationship got started. Uh, in fact, I just saw Greg a couple of weeks. Ago. Excuse us, we have a conversation here. If you don't mind, do you, right. <laughs> so, so where was I? I was in Africa. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, through these camps this summer, about about ten thousand kids, roughly, uh, and people have come to Christ because of because of uh, partly because of your support. And I don't know about you, but usually that's that's a number worth clapping for. That's a lot of people. Right? Don't clap for me, but. That's God's hand. I didn't do that. That's not me out there praying. I mean, I preach a little bit, not that much. Uh, that's, that's the people that we support in the countries we're located because our philosophy is find the people that God has there that are the leaders, develop them so that they can win their countries, right? Because I don't speak. I speak one language, Texan. That's it. <laughs> you know what a person that speaks three languages is called? Trilingual, two languages, bilingual, one language, American. Okay, <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm an American, an immigrant, but nonetheless, uh, I am an American. So in, in Mexico, that's been happening. In Africa, uh, we have a group called Kubamba, K-U-B-A, B-A-M-A, something, right? Kubamba, known as the K initial K. Crew KREW. They are a group of young men and women, uh, primarily uh, early 20s to early 30s, and the favor of God is so on them. And we've supported them since I was a pastor, uh, you know, for the last 10 years or so. And then now that I'm the president of Reach Youth Global, they are uh, they're, they're part of the people and ministries that we support. Uh, they have such favor of God, and it's so important. You know, the Bible says that. Lift up your eyes, the fields are widened to the harvest. So that means that sometimes you got to look around, see where God's working. Oh, wow, look at that. This is one of the places. They have such favor that the government has extended them an invitation to go into every public school in the country of Kenya and to preach the gospel. Every public school. Now, if we did that here, it would probably do a lot of good. But it also would cause a lot of trouble. But God's harvesting over there. And what is harvest time? God opens up doors you cannot imagine. In fact, they just had a meeting with the uh, vice president and, his, and the vice president's wife of Kenya. She's a believer and he is a believer and it's because of that now that they're gaining more and more and more favor to be able to preach the gospel. And I'm talking about some humble, dedicated. You know, if that, this was me that you were talking about and I'd done all that. <laughs> but these guys are, they have the favor and the blessing of God on them. We also. Uh, had a generous donor give us half a million dollars to open up a radio station there in nairobi the k crew runs the radio station they do what we would consider to be kind of urban music hip-hop if you will but very gospel oriented it has captured the hearts and the minds of a generation over there and they preach the gospel and they get they get saved we have a, a strategy in latin america that we're putting together churches now and and uh uh, every, every country in Latin America we're trying to get a foothold in so that we can reach a million kids in the next five years and start about 250 churches. In o- other part of Africa, Uganda, where we do a lot of our compassion work. We have feeding centers in, in Africa. We've drilled a few wells. Uh, we have an orphanage over there. We're getting ready to build a, uh, a boarding school. And The reason for the boarding school is to make the orphanage self-sustainable. And so we'll, we can board up to 400 kids in the boarding school that we want to build. It's going to be about a half a million dollar project. already had pledged 150. If you're flush right now, I'd love to see you after church, but it's going to happen. And that's going to be the way that we raise the money to take care of our orphans. We have about 30 orphans now, our village, children's village, which they're all, there's eight to a house with a house mom. It's a real family atmosphere as much as you can make it if you're an orphan. So it's not institutionalized orphanages. We have a, a, a preschool there, and we're getting ready to build a boarding school. We'll be able to take care of, with that income over there, about 100 orphans from the time that we get them till they graduate high school. So, praise God. <laughs> Lots of good stuff going on. And I want to just, you know, publicly, because I'm sure Bruce will listen to the tape. I love you, Bruce. You're a great friend. Can't believe you didn't send me the email about the Christmas presents. But his encouragement to me has been tremendous. Cause he's right. It's, what, what world did you call this? Bizarro. bizarro. I thought you were calling me Bizarro for a second, but I've been called worse. It is. I mean, I'm leaving a, a, a church and entering in a mission field, which I've never done but always wanted to. And he was exiting the mission field and coming into a church. It's just been a great friendship. He's been tremendous encouragement and a great help to me. So when you see your pastor, thank God for him. Let him know how much you love him. All right. So. Let's talk about what I came here to talk about today. I have a document that is so powerful. I, I couldn't bring it with me because my wife, she knows me well, been married 35 years. She said, You'll, you don't need it right now, and you're going to lose it. I said, okay, it's, all right, so I just left it at home. But this document opens up, has opened up doors of countries I've never been in before, ever. And, and some countries I don't think you can get in anymore. It's so powerful and comes with it a great amount of authority, a great amount of respect, a great amount of power, a great amount of hope. You know what it is? It's a passport. I have an American passport. And when I show that passport, when I enter into the customs area, when I get off a plane, I don't care if I'm in Europe, anywhere in Latin America, if if I'm in China or I'm over in Africa, it matters not. The Philippines, everywhere that I've been, I flash that passport and one of two things happen eyes sparkle up and they know i'm an american and they know what that means and 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 it comes great respect or they don't like you coming to their country one of the two there's like no middle ground i don't know if you ever traveled internationally there's no middle ground you either love americans or you hate americans and a lot of the people that I showed that passport to, they want to be Americans. They want I don't blame anybody for getting here. I, mean, I, I, I am an immigrant. I was born in Canada, and my dad brought us down here, and I became a citizen when I was 12 years old in San Antonio, Texas. So I'm not a natural Texan. I'm a naturalized Texan. But I'm a Texan, and I'm an American. And so this passport does a lot of stuff. But there's a a bigger passport that I have, a bigger, more important document that I have that actually can get me anywhere that I need to go into the world. And it comes with great authority. It comes with great power. It brings great hope. It's done great good. But it also comes with a great responsibility. And that is my passport in the kingdom of God. That I have a heavenly father. I have a heavenly citizenship. This place isn't my home. I'm an ambassador right now, just like you are. And so I got to thinking one time, how do people get to the point where they're willing to say to God, wherever you want me to go and whatever you want me to do, that's why that's what I want to do. And so I came up with this phrase, is my passport current? That was one of the mission measures we had as a church. That we want to see, man, are are we duplicating the kind of DNA that we think God really wants in the lives of our church and our church members? And one of them is my passport current. Because if you don't have a passport, guess where you're not going? You're not going anywhere outside the United States. And then we also got to understand that what does going mean? Going just doesn't mean I'm going to go to Mexico, I'm going to go to Africa, I'm going to go to Colombia, I'm going to go to China. We found out, and I believe, and it's been my experience, if you're not willing to go across the street, you're never going to go around the world. So it's mission wherever you are. A missionary is somebody on mission. I was on mission when I was a pastor. I'm on mission now that I'm a missionary. Guess where you are? You're on mission. You ought to be anyway. So what gets us to the place where we understand we've got this global passport that'll get us anywhere to do anything how do we get to that point and so i started thinking about my life i started thinking about the lives of others and i was reading in the bible and the first thing that i know for sure is we've got this great commission from god to go and do this right he has commissioned us as you sent me into the world he's speaking to his heavenly father i now Am sending them into the world how did god send jesus into the world god so what loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so when christ commissions me he's commissioning me commissioning me to give myself the way he gave his self. the father gave us the gift of the son the son gives the world the gift of his children he said, "I want you to go in the world just like I do, recklessly abandoned to a mission to make sure that people are reconciled with the Father. And when I do that, when I understand that I have been commissioned, then I understand. With that commissioning, there comes a special power. Just like that document, that passport has power to let me in to a country and get me out of a country, get me into a, 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 a safe refuge." Uh, if I'm in a country that breaks out in war, I can go to the American embassy and they'll take me in. There's power with the commissioning that Jesus has given us. He says in Acts 1-8, when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit comes in you, then you're going to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. So he said, I'm, I'm going to commission you, that I'm going to empower you, And then I'm going to remind you, I've given you all the authority that you need. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So when people say, you know, that country's closed, I said, yeah, maybe to America, but not to the country I live in. Where is your country? Well, it's a country you can't see yet. It's a kingdom whose author and builder is God. And by the way, America has this little space in North America called the United States of America. God has a little globe that he spun in space and said, this is my world. And I got all authority in my world. And I got all the power that I need in my world. And I can send my people anywhere I want to send my people. I have commissioned them. And so I said, this is my father's world and everything that's in it And if my passport is current, I know that he can take me anywhere he wants to take me. He's given me the power and he's given me the authority to have doors open or doors closed to move the hearts of people for every miracle I'm ever going to need. The father gave Jesus everything he needed in order to get his mission done. And God will give us everything we need in order to get our mission done. So how does it come about then? How does it come about after we're commissioned that people actually get to the point where they're willing to say, let's take a missionary, for example, and by the way, all of us are. You just may be a missionary here at your house or in your school or wherever you are. How do we get to the point where we say, okay, everything I have, all my hopes and my dreams and my desires, I want them to be directed by you, and I am willing to take my children and my wife or my husband, and I'm willing to leave my family and my ties. And I'm willing to go to a foreign country like New York. Just want to see if you're with me. And invest my life and never, maybe never again see my family and have have to depend upon a church to send me pancake mix and peanut butter, right? What, What gets people to that point? You scratch your head and you think, why would someone do that? I mean, have you ever been to a foreign country? Have you ever lived among the people? You know what that's like? They don't even speak the same language. How do people do that? Well, not only are they commissioned, but they are compelled by the love of Christ. This is what the Apostle Paul says. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. So here's what he's saying. I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been commissioned by God. All authority's been given mine. But those that you can be commissioned and not compelled. You can be commissioned in the service but not compelled as a soldier. So what is he saying? He said, yeah, I, I I'm legally I'm in and I know that there is a command that's out there that I should be going and doing, but it's more than a command now. It's a compulsion if you will. It's an addiction, and I can't stop doing it. That word compel, very interesting word. It has two ideas behind it. One is a cattle shoot, C-H-U-T-E, not S-H-O-O-T. Now, in Texas, we eat beef, right? I've never seen how y'all round up your tofus, but I know how we round up our cattle. When you round up cattle to take them to market so that you can make some beef out of them, you got to put them in a corral, then you got to build a chute, a C-H-U-T-E. And you got to make sure that they follow the corral, and all of a sudden they get in a chute, and it's one by one. They're going up the chute, and they're going into the trailer or they're getting medical treatment or whatever it is, but they are compelled. There's only this one direction they can go to because all of the fences have been so designed to get them to the place where the owner of the cattle wants them to be. You get in the picture? Paul says, yeah, I'm commissioned, but I've got this compulsion in my heart and love begins to allow me to see every opportunity and situation as God's way for me to go down this chute in the direction that He wants me to so I can encounter as many people as I can with the love of Christ. That's compulsion. And the second thing that it was used for was used to describe a king's messenger, his courier. Now, a king's messenger would listen to the king, and then the, he had the responsibility of taking the king's message to wherever the king wanted the message sent to whatever people, for whatever occasion, for however long, for whatever distance. Now, if you were the king's messenger, the courier, you had the legal right to take somebody's animal if you needed it, to make somebody give you food, to give you clothes, or whatever it was you needed as you were in the king's service to deliver this message because you were going to make sure that the message got delivered. So you had all authority and all power and all provision that you needed to serve the king. Get in the picture? So we're not going in and overpowering people with this authority that we have from God because that authority is tempered and balanced by the love of Christ. Christ. And so when we encounter people, it's just not we're banging them on the head with the gospel, telling them what reprobates and how hard-headed and how lost they are and what idolaters. We are ministering to them like Jesus did who gave himself away and never needed anything in the giving away. That's what it means to be compelled by the love of Christ. Now, when I was a young believer, I I had a friend. This is like in the early 80s. I had a friend who had uh, gotten in deep with a bookie. How many of y'all know what a bookie is? It's all right. You're in church. Don't lie. Put your hand up. <laughs> Let me see it again. Hands up. i We take a picture for Bruce. Get yeah, right here. That's why your tithe isn't going well right now. Right there. You're my people. Uh, you know, y'all probably haven't been in church longer if you had been backslided long enough to know that I know what a bookie is. You place illegal bets with a bookie. They take that money, and if you win, they give you money. But if you lose, you have to give them the money you promised. Well, my buddy is in thousands of dollars of debt, and he's got it all tied up now in one game. And I've been talking to him about Jesus, telling him God loves him. Hey, man, you just need to give your life to Christ. Everything's going to be okay. There's nothing. You've got to get free of this. And so on this occasion when he was so into this bookie, you either give the bookie cash or you give him your hide, one of the two. And he knew his hide was up. And he's at my place, or the place we are staying at, and he was bawling his eyes and said, man, what am I going to do? I said, man, I'm telling you, buddy, Jesus loves you. There, was, there won't be anything that he wouldn't be willing to do in order to prove his love for you. He died on the cross. He said, will he let me win this game? You know what I said? Heck yeah. <laughs> now, I'm not that old in the Lord, and I don't recommend this form of evangelism, but I really did believe that God so loved the world that he died, that he so loved me that he saved me out of what he saved me. He created the earth. he given us, so yeah, God can win a football game. So we got down this true story. We got down on our knees. And I was praying. I said, dear God, please let his team win so the bookie doesn't beat him up and he can pay the money that he owes. And my buddy blurts out, and let him cover the spread, God. Just true story. Psalms. I'm standing here, and I said, "In Jesus' name, Amen." And we got up, and I said, "Well, who, who'd you bet it on?" And of all people, of all teams, now those of you, some of you are kind of young. You won't understand when I say this. He bet on the Houston Oilers. I said, "You're kidding me." My faith wavered just for a second, right? We watched the game. The Oilers won and covered the spread. He was in the baptistry the next Sunday. Now, why did I do something that's unorthodox? Because I just felt that God loved him so much that God would do stuff like that. Now, now, don't don't go out and make a three-team parlay today and come ask me to pray for you, all right? Let's not do that, all right? And I'm not suggesting that this is the form of I'm just saying it's an illustration. It's the love of Christ that compels us to do what we do so when we know that we're commissioned and we ought to be doing this but we're not doing it guess where the problem is the problem isn't a a no thing the problem's a heart thing it's difficult the most difficult thing to do in a church is to keep people focused on the fact that we're not here for ourselves it's hard. Let me, let me tell you. If we're not careful, we'll never hear people calling to us. We just won't. We we won't understand or we will miss the biggest opportunity for being a believer and being in a church. Now, I know why you're in church saying, "Why I go to church. I like the preaching. I like the music. You know what? I... I, I I like, I like the way they take care of my kids. I mean, when you came to this church, didn't you have a list? Okay, we're going to check out the children's ministry, see if we like that. We're going to check out the, uh, you know, see if they like the music that we do. And uh, let's see if they have a men's group that we like. And, and uh, what about small groups here? And, uh, yeah, you know, we better check out their nursery. And if we like all of those things, guess what we're going to do? We're going to bless them and join them. Right? But if they, the, you, one of those things, ah, no, 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 no. no, We're not going there. The biggest thing I've ever had to deal with in being a pastor are the people that I had to pastor. Right? Because they're just like me. I like me. I want things for me. What's in it for me? But like Jesus says, it's not about me. It's about you. i am not come to be served. But to serve and to give my life away as a ransom for people, whatever it's going to cost. And so here's what I heard a lot from my church in the 30 years that I pastored a church, and the last 20 in the same place, I heard a lot of me, the sheep, me, 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 me. Hey, what's going on? Me, feed me, love me, counsel me, marry me, bury me, scratch me. And, you know, I'm their pastor. I'm going to love them. But I'm trying to say at the same time, you know, gosh, I hate to tell you guys, but this isn't about us. Me. No. <laughs> no. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He was on a second missionary, missionary trip, and he's wondering, where do you want me to go, God? The whole world is lost, and how in the world are we going to win? So, and so Paul tries to help out God. I said, we'll go over here. Holy Spirit said, no, don't go there. Okay, then we're going to go over here. No, don't want you to go there either. He was so excited, and he was such a zealot that he wouldn't even wait for God to tell him where to go. He was just going to go, but he was wise enough to know, okay, God's not in that. And so finally he goes to sleep, and God could speak to him. Listen to what the Bible says. In Acts chapter 16, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia, standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding what? Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, here's the interesting thing. The guy from Macedonia never said, come over here and preach the gospel to us, did he? Read it. It's in the Bible. I mean, I don't make this stuff up. It's right there. We assume he said, hey, Paul, come preach the gospel to us. No, he was saying one thing, come help us. Now, who knows what they needed help with? Do you know when people talk, they're really not telling you what they're saying, what they want to say? They're giving you another message. How How many men are married to women here? You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You know when they're talking to you and you're listening, but you're not listening to the words, you're listening to the in-between spaces to figure out what the words really mean? Y'all are married, right? I mean, it's the way they say it. It's how they say it. It's when they say it. It's the hints that they drop. I mean, you've got to be on your game. Honey, let's talk. is like, oh. oh, so you're going to talk to me, but you're really not going to tell me what you're saying. I've got to figure it out, right? Yeah. Don't you love me? That's what people are like. You talk to people, they're going to blurt whatever it is that's going on in their life. They're going to blurt out, I'm broke and I need some money and I hate my job. My kids are driving me nuts. My parents are driving me nuts. I'm pregnant. I can't believe I got into an addiction. I just got divorced. I'm lonely. I'm hurting. I'm an orphan. I need medical care. I'm hungry. I don't have any water. I'm being thrown in jail unjustly. Whatever it is that you hear, do you hear what's really being said? Somebody come and help me. Somebody come and help me. The world's so helpless; they don't even know the kind of help they need. So you know what? Reach Global. They need food. We get them some food because we know what they re- we know what they're asking us for. They don't know it yet, but we know because we hear the need behind the need. We hear the call whenever there is a need. You're. Your neighbors, when they stop and talk to you, they're telling you something. You just got to listen. You have to wait for that opportunity. And if you hear them calling, and their marriage is a mess, and, and, and their kids are, what are they asking you? You say, man, I need some help here. But they don't understand what they really need is Jesus. When you hear the people, you will no longer be able not to do a single thing. What time did we start? <laughs> you are kidding me. I'm so good, five minutes went by, right? I got a friend, Charlie, Charlie Ross. He's a missionary of South Korea, was a missionary of South Korea. And every time South Korea, North Korea would open up their borders to let compassion work come in, he would go in. He's from Odessa, Texas. Beautiful Korean dialect. With 25 years served as a missionary in South Korea. And just had thousands of people say, Phenomenal, you ever knew anything, you know anything about spirituality in South Korea? Off the chart. It was back in the day anyway. So he would go in and he would minister with hopes that maybe one day I can do something. So he's doing his thing, doing his thing. And the, you're watching like a hawk over there. The North Korean communist officials come to him and say, Hey, Charlie, we, we, we want to know if you can come and help us. He said, Do what? We need an aspirin factory. And you know what Charlie said? Yes, I can. Without even hesitating. And why is that? Because Charlie heard what was really being said. Come help us. And so I found out about a month later, I had him to church, told the story, raised $80,000 for him that day, started that plant. Now, I had the opportunity to go and visit in there. Because of the fact that we were the financers of this thing, and I get there and I meet this communist official by the name of Cha. The guy looked just like I swear to you, Jackie Chan. I told him, I said, "Dude, you know Jackie? Oh yeah, Jackie. You're Jackie Chan? Oh yeah, Jackie Chan." <laughs> so, when I first met the guy, real nice guy. I mean, just he's the kind of guy that he walks in the room and people's faces light up. And believe me, in North Korea, nobody's face lights up. This is from a nuclear bomb. Trust me. They are not happy people. They are dominated. It is dark. It is depressing. But this guy walks in the room. Ah, man, cha cha. It's like a man of favor, you know. And so I, I, look, I look, first I met him. I said, "Man, but He had a black eye and some scrapes on his face. I said, "What happened?" He said, "Well, you know, I was given this project and I was supposed to to build an aspirin factory." Okay, when they give you a project there, they don't give you the money or the help that you need. They just give you the project, and you better get the project done, right? And he said, so I, man, I'd stay up at night, i think about it, and i get on my motorcycle, and I, I ride to release the stress, and I had an accident. The, the roads are not even, I wouldn't even call them roads. In fact, the time I was there, I saw two trucks, no cars, everybody walked, except for the communist official and, and Chaw. Chaw had a motorcycle. And so I said, hey, man, I'm, I'm a motorcycle rider, too. And he goes, oh, what, what are you right? I said, I have, a, I have a Harley-Davidson. He went, oh, Harley-Davidson. Oh. We hit it off, man. Man, we were talking to each other. I said, yeah, I stay up late at night sometimes. And, and I'm thinking about it you because know, they know I'm a pastor. We have, we have communist officials listening to everything we're saying. They say, if someone asks you a question, you can answer it. If you go too far, we'll stop you. And he knew I was a pastor. I said, Yeah, I have a, I have a large church of many people. I stay up at night, I see this raw piece of land. We're gonna build a church on it. I don't know how it's gonna happen. Charles said, oh, I do the same thing. I'm up all the time, and I was wondering, and I was thinking, how are we gonna get the money and stuff to do this? And then Charlie came, and then Charlie brought you, and that's how this happened. Cha is dead now, but Chaw died as a believer. As a believer. He is buried on the mountain ridge that overlooks the medicine factory that not only made an aspirin and a vitamin, but over 20-some-odd antibiotics now and, uh, and drip fluid IVs. Why? Come and help us. I'm on the board of Trans World Radio. We broadcast the gospel into some of the most violently militant Muslim areas in the world. And the letters that we get and the correspondence that we get that snuck into us tells about these believers over there that were saying, come help us stories. Come help us. And then we heard on the radio. And then we got a piece of literature or a missionary came. Come help us. Can you hear that? Can you hear what they're saying? I mean, without the love of Christ, we're going nowhere, guys. We're not doing anything. We're going to become here. It's going to, be me, 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 and that's it. And there's people up to say, Come and help us. Can you hear them? Can you hear them in your school? I mean, they're rude, they're obnoxious, they're bombastic, but do you hear what they're saying? Do you hear them in your neighborhood? Do you hear them at your job? They're in your family, they're in your extended family. The reason why you don't want to go spend any time with your extended family, they're there and they want help. Can you hear their voices? Can you? doesn't matter what kind of help they need. We know what kind of help they need. They need to hear the gospel. People are calling us, and I can hear them all over the world. I can hear them. I can hear them in Manila. I can hear them in Korea. I can hear them in Shanghai. I can hear them in Beijing. I can hear them in Malawi. I, I, I can hear him in Uganda. I can hear him in Kenya. I can hear him in Mexico, and in, I can hear him in Colombia. I can hear him in Cuba. We're going into Cuba next month to do a camp. A camp for a thousand kids. Ten bucks a head. A thousand kids I had a donor. I told him, he said I'll write you a check right now for ten thousand dollars." He said, "Thank you." I said, "We're also going to Ecuador and some other places." <laughs> but can you hear him? Can you hear that person who irritates you so much, what they're not saying when they're irritating you so much? They're saying, help me. It's what takes the mission from a command and a drudgery and something that we feel like we're commanded to do to something we are compelled to do because of the love of Christ. Can you hear them? Is your passport current? I have a document. It says United States passport on it. I also have a passport from my Heavenly Father in whose kingdom that I serve, this world being a part of that. You know where that passport is? You want to see that passport? That passport's right here. It's right here. Is your passport current? Do you know what the commission is that you've been given? Do you know what it's like to be compelled by the love of Christ? Is your heart so clean? Is it so ready and you're sitting on go that you can hear them call you even if they're not calling you? Do you think the Ninevites for a second knew that they needed to get right with God? No. They didn't know they needed Jonah coming there and preaching. God knew it. Every time in my life now that I see an opportunity and an open door, here's what I know. God's already working there. He's heard someone say, come help us. He's let me hear it now because he's going to open the door and we're going to meet a need and the Spirit of God's going to get a hold of some people and we're going to preach the gospel and their lives are going to be changed forever and they're going to go to heaven because somebody's passport was current. Is your passport current? I want to tell you once again, You don't go across the street. God can't trust you with going around the world. He really can't. But if He can trust you at your apartment complex, if He can trust you at your job, at your school, in your home, and you'll start listening, and you'll be compelled by the love of Christ, He may tap you on the shoulder one day Hey, I need you to go somewhere with me. It's going to be so awesome. Get your shots. (laughs) And the world's going to open up to you that you only heard about before. That you only heard others talk about before. You know, it may not be to the extent that, that I went into it or Bruce went into it. But my goodness, man, you don't think God can't take you for a little bit of time and send you somewhere and make a whole lot of difference for eternity? Yeah. Is your passport current? Some of y'all aren't even from America and you got family members in other places that need the gospel. Just got to get your passport current. God'll open up the doors. Get your passport current. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank you for my friends and my brothers and my sisters in this room. Thank you for the mission heart of this church and its pastor and the pastor before that, the DNA that's in here. But Lord, the hardest thing for us to do because of me is to focus too much on me and see the commission and the commandment as a drudgery and not to be compelled by the love of Christ and miss the hurting calls of people around the world. And I pray whatever it is, Lord, in our lives that you spoke to us about why I was speaking and your Holy Spirit was moving, whatever things there that are distractions that are making us not hear what's being said and not being motivated and compelled by the love of Christ, I, I pray that now you would forgive us of those things. And you would empower us through the Holy Spirit and give us power and authority over these areas of our lives that that keep us nominal followers at best. And We want to be like the Apostle Paul after hearing your calling from somebody that we can conclude that's where you want us to go and that's who you want us to minister to and that's who we need to be loving on, and that's who we need to be giving to. That's who we need to be sharing the gospel with. Let it be everything in our life. we reach the conclusion that God is calling us to preach the gospel there. And God, only you can do that. We are your sheep. and We've got so many needs. Help us through the love of Christ, the authority of the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and the compassion that we have for others. Help us rise above ourselves to the great high calling that we have to be your followers and to share in a broken world the greatest message that we'll ever hear in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.